short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Welcome back to the Cold War, episode 204. We continue with uh, Chinese foreplay. Um, And in this episode, Ray is going to talk more than he normally does. Yes, which means it will make less sense, but you will laugh more. What do you want? What do you want from me? (laughs) Um, you know, okay. No, I was thinking about something you said at the end of the last show when America is obsessed with, you know, what's Stalin thinking? What's Russia doing? What's going on in Moscow? But at, at some point, you've got to, someone's got to, should have asked the question, uh, excuse me, boss, is there any chance that Mao might be making any of his own decisions? Because if that's true, then we need to be a lot more uh, careful with, you know, dealing with this country that's got hundreds of millions of people, you know, and, and they've got all these veterans from uh, the Civil War and World War II. But again, no one's giving Mao either the time of day or thinking that he can make any decision that Stalin doesn't want him to make, which is completely ridiculous. But uh, America was putting all the eggs in uh, the Soviet basket. Clearly, that wasn't the case because Mao, like anybody else, is going to be defending his borders. Having said all that, so it will come as no surprise to anyone that there was a joint State Department slash Defense Department meeting on November 21st, and the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, Force Hoyt Vandenberg, and the Secretary of Defense, James Forrest, said that if MacArthur's advance to the Yalu River was stopped by the Chinese, that they, the Chinese, should be told to quit the area or we will hit them in Manchuria. So, even though we're halfway around the world and we're getting closer to your border, if you don't stop now, or if you do anything, we're going to make you stop. And if we have to, we will come into your territory and teach you a lesson. So if if Mao did not have a reason to defend his border now, he certainly has one now. So the Americans are being very aggressive about this. And Mao's like just talking to his people going, what do we do? Let's get some troops down there. Let's make sure they don't enter China proper. And that's what he's um, obsessed about. And and that's completely understandable. And there's no evidence that anybody at that meeting said, I don't (laughs) think that's Uh, a good idea. We're going to tell the the Chinese. Yeah, we're going to threaten the Chinese. Uh, Can I just, can we just take a knee (laughs) here for a second? Take a beat. Can we take a moment? Take a minute. Is anybody going to second that? Oh, you're all seconding that. Oh, fuck. Really? Okay, I'm alone here. Does nobody want to talk about the fact that they, according to the CIA, as we said in the last episode, they've got mm-hmm. thirty to 40,000 troops already in country and another 700,000 on the border ready to come in. Yeah. Is that, should we really be threatening them? Yeah. Really? Is that, yeah. is that really a good idea? Anyone? Anyone right. want to and give any dissent Bueller, to this at all? Bueller? <laughs> so... Don't get me wrong. America's fucking awesome. I mean, we we are made out of the image of God himself. I get that. But Mm -hmm. it's a couple, you know, tens of thousands of whatever American troops versus almost a million Chinese. I mean, at some point, you've got to think of the maths. And no one is. Well, it it looks like Washington decided they were going to call China's bluff on this. Uh, As we said last time, 
there were the Washington was sort of convinced, had convinced right. itself. Yes. Did you put your hand up there? Was yes. that a hand? Yes. I wasn't looking at the screen. Why, why is oh. your hand up? Two hands. Okay. What if it's, sir? I'm sorry. What if it's not a bluff? Why? Well, sorry, I don't understand your question. Uh, <laughs> what if the Chinese? Hear me out, it's going kind of crazy. What if the Chinese are really willing to fight and die to make sure no enemy American troops cross their border? Uh, what if it's not, not a bluff? St- still, still not, still still not, not getting, getting it. it. Sorry, okay. I can't. So you know what? what? There's a reason uh, what, you're in what charge. What language do you speak English, okay. motherfucker? I, I, I do not understand... I have an answer to this one. If you don't get your shit together, we're all going to be speaking Chinese. You hear me, motherfucker? So quit pissing off this powerful nation. I, I, I But I'm done. I, I take my seat. Now, as we said last time, that Washington had sort of convinced themselves that China um, either couldn't act because Moscow wouldn't right. let them. Right. or couldn't act because they didn't have the capabilities uh, and they were just sort of putting on a show yeah. to save face yeah, uh, or that they were act- putting on a show because they were actually scared of Americans and that's why they were acting not scared. As I said, it's like finding your wife <laughs> fucking another man in your bed and deciding that it's proof that she loves you. Like the, the contortions of logic that they had to go through here. He looks just like me. Oh, you do love me. Sorry, go ahead. That said, though, in right. the defense of the Americans... Please, I'd love to hear this. this. Is, that's not a phrase you, you hear come out of my mouth no, very often. No, no but this is being but, recorded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In defense of the Americans at the time, uh-huh. there were good reasons for the West to assume that China did not have the capabilities or, or that had bigger problems to deal with than North Korea oh, at the time. China had just barely finished their own civil war, devastating yes. civil war, as we know. They yes. had to get rid of the Japanese on top of that, of the civil war. Um yeah. In 1949, about 40 million Chinese were affected by natural disasters. Oh. Um, on top of the, the famine was uh, the problem of communist bandits mm-hmm. running around the country. Now, um, people might think, well, hold on, the Chinese were communists. Yes, right. but it was the other communists, the Kung Fei, as they were known, communist bandits, um, these were the Kuomintang communist mm-hmm. bandits yes. that were trying to destabilise the country. There was the civil war was sort of technically over, of course. The Kuomintang, right. then based in Formosa, now known as Taiwan, were you know trying to send uh, incursions into the country to try and destabilise, fuck shit up. They were dealing with that. Uh, over a million of these communist bandits were rounded up or killed between... May of 1949 and May of 1951. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got a big problem. A million bandits in your country trying to, you know, destabilize shit, fuck shit up. Yeah, but you, but you, we we said this earlier. So China's plate's full. I get that the civil war, the natural disasters, the uh, the uh, the nationalists going staying in country on purpose with weapons, trying to destabilize the region. I get all that, and Mao doesn't want to deal. With Korea, he does. I mean, I get all that, but if you're going to march a whole bunch of people to my border, 
and you're making it quite clear that there's a good chance that you're going to cross the border, no matter how many things I got going on in my place, no matter how many plates I've spinning in the air, I now have to reprioritize. I don't want to, and it's going to be ugly and messy, and I don't have the resources, but Mao and the Chinese have no choice because the Americans and the South Koreans are coming full bore, and, and, and MacArthur's already made it clear what kind of person he is, so Mao has to rethink his uh, his priorities because he now has a new threat that he cannot ignore. And uh, he's in the same situation here that uh, the Soviet Union was in 1979, as we've been talking about on the bullshit filter with mm-hmm. our Afghanistan series. Mm-hmm. If, if Mao does nothing and allows the US to basically crush North Korea and, right. and, and let Syngman Rhee take over the North with... Mm-hmm. U.S. military backing, he, Mao has an enemy on his border, yes. right? Like yes. the Soviet Union would have had Afghanistan as another enemy on their border right. if Pakistan and what they thought at the time was the Americans took control uh, or had their puppet government take control of Afghanistan on their border. Yeah. Um, so that's not a great situation. Like the, the same analogy that we've been using in the Bullshit Filter series we can use here, it would be like in 1950 if, uh, let's say, Cuba, mm-hmm. well, no, Cuba wasn't even communist at this stage, like say the Soviet Union had uh, took over Canada or right. took over Mexico and mm-hmm. had a million troops on the border of yeah. the United States, America would have lost its fucking mind. Yes. Um, that's exactly the same situation Mao is in here. It's the situation that he's yeah. dealing with. It's okay when we do preventative stuff. It's not okay when the communists take preventative measures. I mean, I can't be more clear than that. When we <laughs> and do they it, didn't, we're the good guys. Yeah. Americans didn't even think that China would take preventative yes, measures exactly. to stop that. It was inconceivable that they would do that. Now, getting right. back to the problems that China had, though, uh, yes. internally there were secret societies that had grown up to resist oh, land right. reform. Yes. As we know, when communist governments take hold, one of the first things that they try and do is land reform, agrarian reform, because yeah. quite often these countries had been in a feudal state, as China had been for, for you know, 10,000 years. Right. Um, the, the, the land had been in the hands of the wealthy, uh, the elite, the, the warlords. Mm-hmm. The communists were trying to uh, make it more equitable, yeah. uh, uh, give the people control of some of their own land so they can grow their own crops and their own foods and have their own oh, houses sure. and exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, of course, there are always going to be people who don't like that. They don't like reform. Right. And so, uh, uh, you know, you've got secret societies that are spreading dissent across China at the time, probably funded by or being supported by the Kuomintang, even though the Kuomintang themselves were communists and would have done the same goddamn thing. If they were in power, they're going to try and use whatever opportunities they have, even if it's ideologically difficult to support dissent inside of China. Um, And China was still trying to secure what it considered to be its own borders. In October of 1950, the People's Liberation Army had marched into Tibet, Mm -hmm. completed its occupation only in 1951. Meanwhile, in the east, they were still trying to figure out what to do with Formosa. Um, Obviously, the Kuomintang, led by Chiang Kai-shek, had taken Formosa, formally, traditionally, part Mm -hmm. of China. They'd taken it, put up a flag, said... 
fuck you, uh, we own this now. Yes, and, and we're China. Yeah. And we're China, and it's yeah. right, you know, off your border. It's right. It's just across the water. Exactly. And they started building. This is the 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 Kuomintang were building invasion barges, five thousand junks, airfields right. to support the assault um, on the mainland. Um, you know, they were building all of this stuff to attack the mainland. Meanwhile, yeah. China's building the same sort of thing to attack Formosa. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, it's a big problem. Uh, yes. It was the the Su Yu, the deputy commander of China's Third Field Army, said that it was going to be the largest uh, campaign in the history of modern Chinese warfare when they went head to head with right. Formosa. So and, this yeah. is a big problem. Yeah, and not only that. So not only do you have natural disasters, you've got uh, America uh, helping Chiang Kai Shek. Uh, you've got the secret societies. You got guerrillas uh, warfare going on inside the country, but um, also, as we all know, soldiers and, and armies cost a lot of money, and the, and the ch- communists of China don't have a lot of money. Mao is still trying to demobilize a whole bunch of his troops because remember, by the time the civil war is over, with he's got millions, he's got millions of men under under uh, under arms, and he needs them quit. He needs them to to be uh, discharged from the army. He needs them to get back home to their farms, to their factories, to the city, wherever. Go back and be productive, uh, you know, citizens of this country, whatever. Get out of the army. Because, because an army does nothing but suck up money and doesn't do anything until there's an actual war, and so he needs these people back in, in the civilian life, and it takes time to do that. And now that he's got this threat of Formosa, and now that he's got this threat of uh, Korea, can he really afford to do that? Because I think he's got like five million men still in 1950 under arms. So he's going from I got to get you guys out of here because I need you to be civilians to Oh my God, I actually might need some or all of you because now I've got a two front war. So again, for Mao's life is anything but easy, or, or he's got a massive headache at this point, and it's not going to change anytime soon because MacArthur is coming, and he's made it quite clear that he's coming to the Yalu River, and maybe over it if they and give maybe, him any provocation. He, he wants he wants a reason. MacArthur hasn't been hard in a decade, but he gets a little wood just thinking about crossing the river. He wants an excuse because he wants to have that one more before he dies incredible miracle military man just like he did at Bataan this is his chance to go down as an even greater hero to the American people so again these are these are the lists of reasons that yeah. it was reasonable to question whether China had the capability or the willingness to Desire. really get involved in a major yeah. war with the United Nations uh, forces, right? Because they're dealing with a lot of shit. On top of all of this, uh, even though they have a pact of friendship, friendship now mm-hmm. with the Soviets, which had been signed in February 1950 and sort of helped heal the rift between right. Mao and Stalin, they temporarily. hugged it out. Right? Yeah, they hugged it out. Yeah. The China didn't get a lot from that in the way of material assistance. Um, Stalin had demanded mm-hmm. that a whole bunch of Soviet advisors would come in and run things in in, mm-hmm. in return for major equipment. Right. And Mao was like, uh, fuck you and the uh, Georgian horse you rode in on, Vodka Mao Man. knows that game. Mao knows that game yeah. quite well. Stalin's yeah. used it for decades. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
first you send your advisors next i'm on the my you know i'm purged yes. because uh you don't like something yeah. i'm doing or something this is my country right we don't we don't take orders like contrary to how the Americans were thinking at the time that Mao wouldn't do anything without Stalin's say-so. Right. Mao's, Mao's very much his own man. He, oh, he yes. goes, look, we may be 25 years late to the game, right. but uh, you, don't tell, you don't tell us what to do. Right. We're, we're, we're past being told what to do by right. other imperial powers. Yeah, Thank you very days, much. Those days are over. And if I could, just all those reasons that you just listed, all the internal problems that communist China has, and now um, they've got to deal with the Americans. I mean, again, he, he doesn't want to do it. And, and I don't know if we can emphasize or we if we haven't emphasized this enough. The Chinese have been having a lot of discussions with themselves. Joe and Lai, Mao Zedong, and all the other greats are sitting there and they're talking about this. They're like, this is a big deal. You don't just willy-nilly mix with the American military. Uh, and so they're, they're sending men down to the border. They're doing it nice and slow. They're doing reconnaissance. They're trying to gather information. They're doing all this stuff. Again, they don't want to do it, but necessity demands that they guard their own border. So this is a hell of a time for them. But the only good thing that they can uh, say is, well, we do have a lot of war experienced men with um, weapons, and I can send down a couple million if I need to. So again, let, let's not forget that China did not want to do this. They were going very slow. They were sending out warnings. They were doing reconnaissance. They were doing everything they needed to do to let the Americans know what would happen if they crossed over. And then they were getting ready to do something about it if the Americans came over. This is not a bluff by China. Getting back to the issue of military equipment, because mm-hmm. they're not getting it from the Soviets, right. the PLA is still equipped almost entirely mm-hmm. with either arms captured from the Japanese or arms captured from the Kuomintang, right. which, of course, have been supplied by the Americans. You're welcome. So, um but yeah, they were the, the the Chinese army at this stage was still not a professional military force. Yes, it didn't have the training necessarily to train much beyond maybe a regimental mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mostly still a guerrilla army. Yes, didn't have a lot of a lot in the way of uh, heavy weapons. Mm-hmm. And it, it just wasn't a, a modern army. It was right. uh, a ragtag bunch of volunteers that were, you know, coming to being to fight a civil war. Yeah. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form ready to go up against uh, 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 the United States, yeah. as neither was uh, Ho Chi Minh's forces mm-hmm. in Vietnam, neither was uh, the, the, the Taliban in Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, needs must. This is, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. do what you can. But yeah. on paper, it looks like these 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 developing countries these these poor countries which china was at the time right uh, no way they can stand up to a modern military machine even one that's as unprepared and as untrained as the americans were at the time but as, as you've said before when you're defending your own home against invaders uh, yeah. you find a way right yeah yes, it gives exactly. you massive yeah. incentive yeah. Well, you, uh, you br- I, if I could real quick, and I apologize, you brought up a really interesting point. Mao and the communists won their civil war 
with guerrilla tactics. Remember, America gave um, Chiang Kai-shek $50 billion in weapons and supplies over however many years. So the point is... Um, it, you're going to take your your guerrilla army and suddenly turn it into a professional army. It doesn't work that way. Like you, you just listed all the reasons of what they don't have, um, but they do have their experience. Their uh, experienced fighters. They are in the mountains of North Korea. Uh, you know, it makes it hard for the Americans and the South Koreans to get to them. So they've got a couple advantages. But you know, they wish they had a lot more. But if you have a guerrilla army, they're going to want to fight like a guerrilla army, and the Americans are going to find that out very quickly. 50 billion is it it's either five or 50 shit i did i say 50 i meant five billion yeah i don't Sorry. think it was uh, i don't think 50 billion the marshall plan was only like 11 billion yeah so i think it was five billion sorry 4.4.43 billion they got Maybe. from the u.s so yeah and now mal's got some of those weapons so you know, for political uh, reasons and military preparedness reasons, mm-hmm. late 1950, it, it appears that many uh, Chinese leaders were very reluctant to see the country get involved in a war with the West, uh, right. including Mao himself. It just didn't. It just was. You don't want to add another fucking problem when when you've got all these other problems, really right. genuine problems that you're doing with it. But and again, this is one of the reasons that um, I think it's important for us to spend some time on this uh, on the foreplay, not jump straight to the bang bang. Mm-hmm. Is that you know uh, Washington literally pushed Mao into this? That's fair, right? That's a fair um, statement. Yeah. Not only with giving MacArthur the uh, approval to push his forces right up to the Chinese border, mm-hmm. the Manchurian border, technically. Right. Um, not only with the, th- the threat that if China uh, tried to intervene, they would march into Manchuria, but also their uh, sort of support of Formosa. Yes. Well, yes. Um, on the 27th of June, uh, 1950, Truman had made a statement declaring that, quote, the occupation of Formosa by communist forces would be a direct threat to the security of the Pacific area and to U.S. forces performing their lawful and necessary functions in that area. Uh, really? Well, um, you know, basically, say this is part of the Truman Doctrine, right? Well, we can't right. have that because it would be... Uh, it would. <laughs> Okay, so let's break down this statement. The occupation of Formosa by communist forces. Who are the Kuomintang? Communist forces, <laughs> motherfucker! But they're not our communists. I want our communists. No, they are. The people. Kuomintang yeah, yeah. are no, I get that. communists. I get that. Yeah, to my mouth. The com- yeah. <laughs> so th- that doesn't make sense, but I don't think even most Americans at the time knew yeah. that the Kuomintang were yeah. communists. Um. So, or originally, we've originally been communists anyway. I don't know. They've probably it, given that up at this stage. If they take that island, it's a direct threat to the Pacific area and to the U.S. forces who are performing their lawful duty. I mean, that's a fucking stretch, uh, to put it nicely. What lawful and necessary functions did the oh, U.S. have oh, off the coast oh, of China? Oh, pick me. Pick yes, me, pick uh, me. yes, the shrimp. Thank shrimp you. Harris in the Thank background. You. Thank you very much. Remember, it's a title. It's not a... Descriptive. Um, what? Um, 
we're busy killing North Koreans and we're about to kill Chinese and we're a threat. Yes, I don't right. know. It's, it's it's not good. It's, it's not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not an easy one to answer. No, like this, uh, like, uh, yeah, fuck me. Like this whole thing. So, uh, and like, uh, this is the same thing. The reason I said it's important to understand this is this is the same thing that Biden did recently. Biden uh-huh. recently came out and basically made some statement uh, about the U.S. support for the independence of Taiwan, which... Right. Historically, has been something that uh, U.S. didn't touch upon. Exactly. The 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 uh, line for the last seventy years has Don't been. Yeah. Well, it's been that Taiwan is officially part of China and always mm-hmm. has been, but we just stay out of it, right? Yeah, it's not it's, worth it's it. A bit, it's yeah. a bit like Jerusalem and the capital of Israel kind of thing. It's like you yeah. don't want to get involved in that. But uh, no win situation. Yeah. 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 So. Even the, even that statement alone by Truman in June of 1950, how could that not put Peking on alert? Um, obviously, they are very concerned uh, about Formosa. They want it back badly. It's a, it's a matter of, what, national pride, national honor. And now you're telling me the Americans aren't going to let them have it back or even let them take it. I mean, you're just giving Mao reasons to mess with Americans, even though he doesn't want to. You're really forcing him into a corner. Uh, on multiple for mul- on multiple issues. Yeah. By the way, I just want to point out, like yeah. um, you know, I've, I've said a number of times in this episode, I think in the last episode, the Kuomintang mm. were communists. I mean, at this stage, they, they they weren't, but they were originally, right? Sun Yat Sen, who founded the Kuomintang, oh, was yeah. a communist. Yeah. Uh, you know, at some point, they, you know, I guess differentiated themselves from right. the Communist Party, now but I they just, were originally communists, right? And now I think they might just be Chiang Kai Shek's guys. I mean. Yeah. Do they stand for independent China? Or is, he's the one that's paying them, so it's probably his private army, uh, something yeah. like Caesar had. But anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, just before I start getting emails from people telling me that they weren't communists anymore, they were originally communists. Yeah, um, Mao's kind. Yeah. Yeah, but so this whole thing about uh, supporting Formosa was obviously going to piss off the Chinese, as was um, sending troops towards their border. Chow Enlai, who was premier, I think, at Mm -hmm. some point around here too, as well as foreign minister, um, was actually uh, much more pissed off about America's support for Formosa than he yes. was about their intervention in Korea. Yes. Uh, a leading historian of the PLA has written, the struggle to liberate Taiwan began to be linked to the struggle against U.S. imperialism as such, and the achievement of the former was now seen in the more long-term context of the latter. Yeah. So for many years, Chiang Kai-shek and the Kuomintang had been enemy number one for the mm-hmm. Chinese. Yes. But now the U.S. is starting to become enemy number one. Number one! Because they, Sorry. they are Sorry. interfering yeah. in Chinese national interests. They're yes. interfering in, you know, the, the taking of Formosa and they're interfering in them, uh, well, interfering in what's happening on the border of China. Yeah. So America is, is pushing 
Mao pushing China to get yes. involved yes. and hurting. turning themselves into an enemy. And the Chinese didn't really give two fucks about the United States before this. Exactly. Apart from purely socioeconomic ideological stuff, communist versus mm-hmm. capitalist, that kind of thing, right. part of the greater plan for um, communist uh, hegemony around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, China didn't have anything going on in that front at this stage, but at this stage, America's sort of forcing their hand. Um, guy called a journalist called Cuomo Joe wrote in the People's Daily in August: "The American imperialists fondly hope that their armed aggression against Taiwan will prevent us from liberating it. Around China, in particular, their designs for a blockade are taking shape in the pattern of a stretched-out snake, yes. starting from South Korea. It stretches to Japan, the Ryukyu Islands, Taiwan, and the mm. Philippines, and then turns up at Vietnam." Yeah. In 1950, they're yeah. saying this, right? Yes. If you look at a map of Asia, of uh, the Pacific right now, all those countries that Cam just listed, it's almost like a perfect border to keep mainland China out of going any further into the Pacific. So, again, to them, how can this not feel like um, encirclement, uh, being surrounded, kind of like what the Russians were worried about at the end of World War II? And so uh, it, it seems to be America's go-to we're just going to surround you, cut you off, and watch you shrink and die if we don't attack you directly. And the Chinese are feeling that very keenly right now. Yeah. And it's still what the U.S. is doing yeah, yeah. with Russia oh, today works. by circling them with NATO, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The famous uh, not one inch expansion of NATO that they promised Gorbachev and then immediately started signing up countries like Turkey to NATO. <laughs> right. Exactly. And putting missiles pointed at Russia in yeah. in the middle but of it. They're the bad guys. Don't you forget it. Yeah, we've got you surrounded with guns pointed at your head, but yeah. you're the bad guys. Yeah, I'm afraid of well, you. We're gotta... doing that because you're the bad guys. Right. Well, how, how do you know we're the bad guys? Because we're pointing guns at you. That's <laughs> that's how you know. Look at a gun. That's how we know you're the and bad whichever guys. Whichever way the gun is pointing. Why would at? we be pointing guns at you if you weren't the bad guys? Like, just stop and think for a second. You're embarrassing <laughs> yourselves with such stupid <laughs> logic. Stop it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you Russians are so stupid. Oh my so, God. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. We're so basically, now, so out of everything that Mao's got going on, now he's got the threat to the South. And if he zooms out a little bit, his foreign uh, minister is telling him, you know, it's starting to look like we're going to be cut off from the rest of the world. This shit's getting serious. Yeah, which, of course, apart from the, the threats of imminent invasion mm-hmm. that that leads to, and, and don't let's not forget, China had just been invaded yep. through Korea by the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that Russia had been invaded through Poland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Exactly. Um, uh, it's not only that threat; it's also your ability to trade with other countries. Exactly. If if your borders are blocked and you can't trade as yeah. an economy, you're fucked. So this is a this is a, a an economic issue as well as a military security uh, issue. Yeah. Now. I think the problem here is is during the Korean War, the Americans were looking at China from an ideological perspective. Oh, they won't come into North Korea because of communist ideology means that they take their marching orders from Moscow. Whereas Mao was looking at it from a nationalistic perspective. And the Americans don't seem to have considered the nationalistic perspective, which is protecting their security, protecting their uh, economic interests, their ability to trade, et cetera, et cetera. I I thought... 
and I know you, like myself, have watched the West Wing series through two or three times. And and if the West Wing taught me anything, it's you're in the Oval Office and there's the president and he's got his advisors. And the president points to one person and goes, you, I want you to be Mal. I want you to get in Mal's head and I want you to respond to, to my questions or whatever like you think Mal would. I mean, someone give me a different perspective. You really get the sense that that's not going on. They don't even consider Mal's mentality, the psychology of the leader of the communist leader. They're just thinking everything is about or coming through Moscow. Again, there's just a whole lot of disconnects that look, of course, looking back with hindsight, sound absolutely stupidly ridiculous. But this is the mentality that they had at the time. Yeah, and I think you know, the problem that they had vis-a-vis the West Wing is mm-hmm. they didn't have Aaron Sorkin. Uh, See, they did. Writing yeah. for them. Yeah. 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 yeah, I would hire him to be my foreign minister. Oh, any day. my God. Any, any day. Slash any, lover. Yeah. But any, yeah. anyway, where were we? Oh, with those glasses and the hair oh, and, and oh, the suits. Yeah, oh, the cocaine. The speech-making, yeah. the speechifying, the writing. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, need yeah. Moment. Just like, uh, just, well, you know, while you're, bang- you're fucking me up the ass, just give a speech. Do it in the voice right. of Toby or, you know, Josh. Oh, they would, um, they would end every show with a, with the speech. Someone gets the yeah. chance to make, and I love that shit. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. And the music. Yes, Fade in and fade da, out of the American flag. Patriotically hard right now, my friends. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but I am. Uh, your little George Washington is standing at attention. My wood with his wooden teeth. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm sorry. Sometimes he takes over, and he's not that funny. And, uh, uh, is and he wearing anyway. the wig today? Is he got uh, the wig on? Yep, it's it's a great wig. Oh, shit, yeah. it's a great wig. I don't think it's dyed. I think it's legit. <laughs> shit. Anyway, why? I'm sorry. <laughs> At least you got some hair left down there, my friend. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Beijing, Peking was, you know, very genuinely worried about an American imperialist army being yes. on their border. And to make matters worse, MacArthur visited Formosa oh, in July. Good. He and Chiang Kai-shek gave each other a bit of a reach around. Um, as we mentioned earlier on, I think Chiang offered 33,000 men to yes. fight in North Korea. Yes. Truman nearly accepted his, office, uh, his offer until, I think, some brighter minds at the State yeah. Department said, yeah, uh, no, probably not a good idea. Optics? Anyway. And look, early in the Korean War, the Chinese media were barely mentioning it. But by October, they were printing and broadcasting messages like resist America, aid Korea, preserve our homes, defend the nation. Nation. Yeah. There were mass meetings in China where they were denouncing America as blood-stained bandits, murders and savages. So, uh, you know, the Chinese internally are really gearing up for this and they're treating it like a, a fight for the defense of the homeland. But it is. I mean, we can talk about Korea or whatever, but when you're, when you're having something like that, I mean, it is literally becoming personal 
for the Chinese. This is no longer abstract. This is no longer, oh, we should protect our fellow Asians. No, 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 no. This is literally the Americans are coming at our borders and we've got to do something. Every Everybody would do this. You would find some way to rise up, uh, ramp up the tension and the patriotism, and you would want you know bodies with guns at the border because they're being threatened. Everybody would do this. Don't think this is just a Chinese thing at this point. Of course, everyone yeah. would do it, but... Right. But when I, we do it, it's okay. Yeah, when the communists do it, it's yeah. when we uh, do it, evil. It's with a montage and some kick-ass guitar music and hot chicks, uh, and, and we just do it better. We just do it better. Anyway, I'm finished. When you're feeling down and you need to go, you put on your boots and you strap on your gun and you go do when you check out the burn and dead away. Bit of sax. Sax. Yeah, that's all I got. And I'm done. And you get back on top. Okay, you get back on top. Chrissy, <laughs> Chrissy and I walk around singing montage songs like that all the time to each other. We, we, lo- we love a good yeah. family montage. We're this always singing montages when we're doing anything. Secret to your marriage. Everything goes better with a montage yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I agree. We worked that out a long time ago. I yeah. concur. Yeah. Particularly when we're making out. Well, he's taking off a panties and he's going down. Hey, we do it all the we'll time. We'll see so him for a while. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Chrissy brings out the light. Because <laughs> she's got nothing. 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes later when she's come 15 times, he's going to put his dick in and it'll be over in 23 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> A good day for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. China's acting chief of staff at the time, General Nye Chen, told Panikar, right, the Indian ambassador, the People's Republic does not intend to sit back with folded hands and let the Americans come to their border. We know what we are in for, but at all costs... American aggression has got to be stopped. The Americans can bomb us, they can destroy our industries, but they cannot defeat us on land. When he was asked by yes. Panica what if they were worried about America and using nuclear weapons, yeah. he said, we have calculated all that. They may even drop atom bombs on us. What then? They may kill a few million people. Without sacrifice, a nation's independence cannot be upheld. After all, China lives on the farms. What can atom bombs do there? Destroy them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Apparently, yeah. His, his, his grasp of nuclear physics wasn't great, <laughs> the to be honest. But he was a patriot. But he was a it was only 1950. He didn't really understand. Right. No. Well, we know it can destroy buildings, but farms, really? Yeah. What can it do on a farm? There's no it's buildings dirt. to destroy. It's dirt. Yeah. If I could real quick, this reminds me of something that Chiang Kai-shek said early in World War II. He, he was talking to one of his, um, might have been his wife, Madam Chiang, and he said, you know what? I feel like I need at least 50 million dead before they'll let me sit at the negotiating table when, when all this is over with. And so this is not just this, this is not just the Chinese mentality at this particular moment. When you do have a country of billion people, you know, your perception changes a little bit because even Mussolini said, I have to have at least, what did he say? I can't remember something like 10 or 
50 or 20,000 uh, dead before Hitler will let me sit at the negotiating table with him. So these people are like, look, we already know it's going to be shit. Drop your bombs, bomb us, invade, you know, artillery, whatever, kill a couple million, but we are not giving up. Because again, it's their land, it's their country, it's their border, they're willing to die for it. You ask the average American in South or North Korea at the moment, do they want to be there? Fuck no. So again, the, the Chinese have all the motivation that they need. They have the willpower to win this thing. Yeah, and they just fought a civil war where they, yeah. where, you know, I don't know what the death toll was, uh, but, you know, lots, millions, and they're like, yeah, yeah. that's part of, you know, we get it. Right. We'll, we'll, a lot of us will die. That's, yeah. you know. What's next? And they were fighting against American-made weapons, you know, the Chiang Kai-shek. Oh. So they know, oh. they know how bad it can get. But that's what you it's did. Same thing Ho Chi Minh at the time is saying to his yeah. people in Vietnam, yep, hey. lots of us are going to die, but if yeah. we want to get our country's independence back, right. this is what we need to yeah. do. This is for We're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for our children and our children's children exactly. and their children. We're fighting for the independence. And again, like, you know, it's, it's, it, I always have to be reminded myself that China at the time not only just come through this civil war and had to fight the Japanese, but... You know, they're, they're still trying to drag themselves out of the opium wars when yes. they had been technically conquered by the British and other European allies mm-hmm. and subjugated for yeah. 80 to 90 years, treated like shit, treated like yeah. scum. That, and before that, you know, been around 10,000 years, you know, the most advanced, invented writing, invented gunpowder, invented... Paper. Go, everything, you know, whatever. Yeah. Marco yeah. Polo went there and went, fuck me, yeah. check this shit out. These guys are the greatest... Yeah. yeah. So these, these these are people that had been with, with, with you know, this great, great uh, history yeah. who had been subjugated, destroyed uh, by these Europeans for close to a century. Yes. And they were like, well, fuck that. We're dragging ourselves out of this. And today, the Chinese people remember that. This, you know, that's, yes. They remember what their great-grandparents went through, and they're determined to uh, never allow exactly. that to happen to them again. Yeah. And now that they're standing up for themselves, they've been labeled evil by yeah. us. So Exactly. Because they're not bowing down. Because yeah. you know what MacArthur wants. I'm going to do what I want. I want you to like it. And could you quit being communist, please? I mean, that's MacArthur's position. And they know this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So there, there were some folks in the State Department mm. of Washington who were urging caution. Right. But Dean Acheson thought that China wouldn't intervene. Because, no. to, just to yeah. add another reason, his right. re- theory was... Uh, that they wanted a seat at the UN. Aww. And they yeah. wouldn't intervene because it might threaten their seat at the UN. I don't think they uh, care that He would have been the Secretary of State at the time, Dean Acheson, mm-hmm. in the Truman administration. Uh, he also thought that the PLA was too poorly equipped to fight American armies. Um, right. But this whole idea, to, with all of the other ideas that we mentioned before, they won't do it because Moscow doesn't want them to, et cetera, et cetera. The other idea was they desperately wanted a seat at the UN, and if they caused trouble fighting yeah. the UN, they yeah. wouldn't get a seat at the UN, so they wouldn't do that. Now, and I'm sure they did want a seat at the UN, but they probably wanted to you know, protect their country more than they wanted a seat at the UN. You think? Yeah. 
Does that sound right? So no, hadn't really thought that one through very deeply, right. uh, exactly. I don't think. So, so, so uh, Dean Acheson, like everyone else we've been talking about, he's got more than one reason why the Chinese are not going to give us any shit. They're not, yeah, they'll talk a big game and they'll rattle their saber or whatever. But as far as actually attacking us, I don't see that happen because, because Dean Acheson can't see it that way. He's going to assume like everyone else, well, the, it, it makes sense this way. And so the Chinese, who are very smart people, they'll see it the way that I see it, and that way there won't be a war. I mean, again, they're just literally, what, what is it, projecting. They're projecting their views of how this should go mm. onto the Chinese. And, and no one's asking Mao. No one's The Americans are not talking to the Chinese at all. They have no idea. They're mm. all making this up all on their own, and they're just figuring or guessing what the Chinese are going to do. It makes no sense. Do you know what language Dean Acheson was speaking? No. Cantonese, I think, is what it was. Well, to be multilingual is, is, is an impressive thing. I know you're working on it now. Um, I'm, I'm still working on my Cantonese. Cantonese. Always working on my cunnilingual, as well as right. multilingual. I can tell by your artwork. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Now, but as I said before, like, uh, Acheson wasn't the only one who thought that the Chinese weren't equipped uh, 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 to fight the American armies. Right. There were Chinese generals who agreed with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't want to do this. They didn't think they were ready to do this. Um, on October 8th, the day after America crossed the 38th parallel, Mao right. issued the order for the Chinese People's Volunteers right. to resist the attacks of United States imperialism. Mm-hmm. Now, for many years it was believed in the West that the uh, Chinese army, the 4th Field Army, which went into North Korea a week later, was under the command of Lin Pao, Right. who was one of Mao's uh, closest associates, one of the mm-hmm. heroes of the Civil War. The Chinese today are very firm in saying it wasn't Lin Pao who mm. led that army. Right. Uh, now, this might be because when he died in a mysterious plane crash in 1971, known as the Lin Bao Incident, he was declared an enemy of the revolution by Mao. Basically, he became wow. Mao's Sianus. Yes. Uh, yes. All of the problems of the Cultural Revolution, etc., etc., oh, he yeah. blamed, tried to blame right. on Lin Pao. But uh, there's also sufficient evidence today to corroborate the story that Lin Pao wasn't uh, in command of the army when it crossed over. Mm-hmm. Military, military sources say that in the autumn of 1950, uh, Mao had, in fact, urged Lin to take command right. of an army to fight in Korea and was his first choice. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lin didn't believe that China was capable of it. Right. Didn't believe that the PLA was able to take on the United States. We're not ready, Urged sir. that they yeah. delay it for a year or more so the army could be retrained and re-equipped. Does that make uh, sense? Well, the Americans well, are right the fuck there. But right, but they're not going to come over the border unless, in theory, um, right. they're not going to cross the border unless they're provoked by the Chinese. So he's saying, let them get up to the border, let us retrain for a year, and then we'll go in and kick them out, I guess. 
That's fine. Training doesn't actually create or produce new modern weapons, but uh, but there are certain advantages of that. You know, communication, practice, all that kind of stuff, muscle memory. But again, they would still be fighting with antiquated hell, even older weapons by then. But um, that's not something. But let's wait a year or two. Is not something that Mal wants to hear. Well, they could also put a new lick of paint on the old weapons, so they right. look new. And there's great psychological benefits. Uh, right. You know, when you get a shiny gun. It's like a new haircut. Yeah. New haircut, new suit. Yeah. New yeah. Uh, high heel yeah. boots, new flares. Yeah. Let me know when you're you done. Know, no rush, but let me know just, when you're done. You feel like uh, uh-huh. a new man. You know, right. you just feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, a new personality. Bucks. Yeah. Million bucks. Yeah. yeah. Are you done? I'm done. How did that all work out for you? <laughs> Yeah, the same, but I felt no, better about it. Right. I felt oh, good. You as know, the bullet felt... was going in, I was like, yeah. I'm going to look great at this funeral. Oh, my God, I'm so snazzy. <laughs> uh, Pin Lao was, well, Lin Pao, Pin Lao. Lin Pao was mostly worried about U.S. Uh, air power. Yeah, should be. Coming in and blowing the fuck out of them. Right. But Marshal Peng Ti Hai, mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand. Is that third another, tone? Yeah, it is third tone. Okay. Um Who was another hero of right. the Civil War up there yep. with Lin Pao. Um He said, look, 1951, 1952, it's really not going to make that much difference. Um, yeah, right. You know, imperialists could be shown to be paper tigers, he said, Ooh. if we just stand up and say, not on my watch. I am it. not gonna die today. <laughs> you fucking with me? You don't want to fuck with me? You know what I'm saying? Because you get fucked back. That's all I'm saying. No, I don't. I don't know how to say that in Mandarin. But uh, anyway, no. But he was like, yeah, no. Well, can, can you Cantonese, say Cantonese? Cantonese. Actually, that was the Cantonese accent that I was using. I didn't even know I knew that. That was pretty fucking, pretty fucking amazing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but. He's like, yeah, let's stand up to them. Yes, we, we've already accepted that some of us are going to die. Maybe they're not as tough as they think they are, but they certainly don't have the desire to win this as much as we do. Let's get it on. Why wait two years? He told his staff that willpower and motivation could overcome any shortcomings of equipment. He's not wrong. Now, you've been trying to tell your wife that for right. uh, 15 years. I have. And, I have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You haven't convinced her yet. Like the 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 series of lovers that she's right. taken is evidence of that. But you you, you, you put up a good fight. Like well, I, 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 I I give you credit for the fact that you you. you persist. Right. It's 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 in stages. The first stage I was like, um, I've heard this said on Doctor Oz that if you use your penis a lot, it gets bigger. So for the first year went by that that tricked her. And then the second year I was like, you know, I, I think I could really work on my technique if you would help me a year go by. She goes, well, I'm still not impressed. And I didn't stay awake this time. So, and that's when D'Angelo, who I don't want to talk about, uh, it came in into our lives. He came in Heather, but he came into our lives in, in a general <laughs> sense. <laughs> Numerous times. Uh, in one night, uh, young guy, if young strapping if, if Heather ever listens to this show, you are so fucking divorced, so di- man, I tell you. Can I sleep on your couch, Cam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what would happen. Yeah. So nobody email now, Tommy G. Don't you dare email her this, okay? Oh, my God. Go, oh go my focus God. on your foreplay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead. 
One of Peng's former officers says that Peng, from beginning to end, sort of treated the Korean War as merely an extension of the liberation war uh, against the Kuomintang. Ah, yeah. Well uh, according, yeah, it was just, well, this is just uh, the Civil War continued because the Americans are supporting the Kuomintang, so this is just, you know, exactly. same thing. Yeah. According to a memoir published in Peng's name in 1981, he actually died in prison in 1974. On the 4th of October, he found himself summoned to headquarters as commander-in-chief in northwest China, was told mm. to fly to Peking to attend a conference, okay. arrived there to discover the Central Committee already in session, mm-hmm. debating the dispatch of troops to Korea. At the session the next day, he was appointed to command them. <laughs> And the the whole idea of calling them volunteers was just a way to try and prevent an all-out war with the United States to say, well, we're not actually sending in an army and going to war. This is just a volunteer army. We right. didn't even know. They didn't even. Yeah. We didn't even know this was happening. They yeah, just no. what? Yeah. It just. It, they just turned like Russia tried that a few years ago with in the Ukraine, right? Right. They're they like, what? Turn the Crimea? Take off their, their, yeah, yeah, they're volunteers. We didn't yeah. even. No. no. Who are oh, you guys? That's, just, that's how much they I care. I told you. Yeah. Stop don't, it. Oh, don't do it. Oh, don't do egg it. Egg on my face. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell you, these guys, they're just so. They just Full love heart. a bit of argy bargy. <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. What can we do? Yeah. What can we do? And they're already there, so. Yeah. Uh, Peng, by the way, ended up being a critic of mm. Mao's cultural, cultural revolution yeah. and was imprisoned. But the difference between him and Lin Bao is that Deng, uh, sorry, Peng mm-hmm. was rehabilitated by Deng, Dong, Ding Dong, right. Dong Xiaoping in 1979. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So he's probably Pong, Pong and Dong. Uh, was rehabilitated in 1979 <laughs> and is considered a great Chinese hero today. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. Pong power. So, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Power to the Pong. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? I don't know. So only volunteers because of, I guess, maybe if the Americans found that, that conscripted or whatever the fuck soldiers were coming to mm. kill them, they might get mm. more upset. So it's mm. volunteers. It's volunteers. Volunteers, yeah. So we're not declaring war. No, it's no. just, uh, just some guys. This is a police just action, some guys. and we're yeah. volunteers. Yeah. There's just some guys, yeah. <laughs> China's initial force that they sent to Korea was organized as the 8th Army Group, comprised of four armies, each of three 10,000-man infantry divisions with a regiment Ooh. of cavalry and five regiments of artillery. Damn. They crossed the Yalu bridges at night. Their first objective was to establish a wide enough bridgehead on the south bank of the Yalu to give themselves room. Yeah. Uh, 130,000 men. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. So the 42nd Army came first. They blocked the road running up to the Chosin Reservoir. The 38th mm-hmm. Army crossed the road uh, from Hoichon. The 40th Army came down towards Pukchin. And the 50th and 66th armies followed. Yeah. So all in all, 
they ended up, you know, with a, a reasonable sized force from the get go. Right. Now you've got 130,000 men, you've got artillery, you've got trucks, you've got whatever else that they have. They're moving closer to the border, they're crossing over the border. And I hear you asking, dear listener, well, how quickly did the CIA get word to Truman? Uh, to which I would reply, not quickly enough. So these troops are moving between October 30th, uh, excuse me, October 13th to the 25th. The intelligence staff of MacArthur's army, and there's several of them, they don't pick up on any of this. And again, they were thinking that the Chinese lacked uh, the, the right equipment to go to war. But here's the, here's the great irony. The Chinese sneak across low-grade level technology. In fact, in some ways, it was that low-level technology that helped them get across uh, without being spotted. Uh, And so that actually worked out to their advantage. And again, the Americans aren't thinking that anybody is going to attack them because of their arrogance and their racism. And so they literally do not look for it. And because of that, they do not see it. Yeah, I mean, the CIA had said that based on their assessments of the intelligence, China was amassing hundreds of thousands, but they didn't actually see any evidence. MacArthur's guys didn't see any evidence of 130,000 troops moving towards the border. Now, part of this is because the Americans were dumb as fuck, and the other part of it was the Chinese were really good at camouflage. Yes. But... Also, they didn't have any of the conventional means of a modern military. They, they yeah. didn't have any wireless traffic or mechanized activity, supply or dumps. thousand trucks or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so they couldn't. A lot of that stuff, which was maybe easier to spot, didn't happen. They were just guys walking through the jungle, getting closer and closer. Um, but yeah, the main thing, I guess, the main reason is the, the American generals weren't looking for it. They weren't exactly. expecting it. They weren't. They didn't really believe that was a possibility, so they weren't looking for it. Right. Like the first time you found Heather in bed with D'Angelo, you were like yeah. shocked. You hadn't even yeah. considered. You didn't. Took you. Took no. you a year. I seem to remember for you to even yeah. be able to begin to process it. Right. She was telling you, "I'm fucking a, a, a black dude," and right. you were like, I, I, "What? I, I'm not I, black. You, Why do you, you keep love me? Saying you that. said you love. Yeah, I can't. You love under, right. What? Can't Is get that enough? what you said? I, I, yeah. You just yeah. You do I have not... 30 seconds to spare? Well, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, that's a different conversation. Sorry. I we experienced this in a college course. Uh, you probably experienced this in a jail cell. It doesn't really matter where you get it from. It's like you sit in a room and someone says, "I want you've got 30 seconds and I want you to count up how many red things you see. And you panic and you look around and you come up with your number. And then they go, okay, time up. Tell me how many green things you saw. So again, the Americans aren't looking for it. It does not exist in their head. It cannot be possible. And they do not see what they do not believe is possible. And the Chinese use that brilliantly and come across the Yalu River. So, Yeah, the Americans were convinced the war was basically over, Good. as you said earlier. Yes. yes. On the night of the 5th to the 6th of November, after the disaster of the 8th Cavalry and the uh, yes. ROK units being crushed, yeah. the UN command was briefly sufficiently worried to consider a major withdrawal. But on the morning of the 6th of November, they found that these Chinese forces that they'd been fighting against along the front disappeared. What? And like, they were gone. They pulled a, they pulled a, What's his name? Uh, Kevin Spacey, Usual Suspects. Uh, oh, God. Kaiser Sose. Right, right. They Maybe. pulled a Kaiser Sose. They just vanished. 
Yeah. So the Americans and the South Koreans are getting their ass handed to them. They've had actual units wiped out, obliterated. They're panicking. They're thinking about pulling out. The next day, the sun comes up and they're like, the enemy is gone. The fuck? What the fuck we do you do that? It's we over. Won again. We, we won, won again. <laughs> Two and oh. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. They don't know what to do. So, of course, the U.S. and the U.N. immediately translated this as victory. A banner. They get a big banner. Look, we let them kick our asses. It was part uh, of the plan, right? So they would give up. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's <laughs> what we're going with. So really, that's what, that's, what what? You, that's what you're presenting to the president? Yeah. Yeah. We I'll keep my job. Yeah. They kicked yeah. our asses so badly. Right. They got bored. They figured it was time to retreat. Yeah. Right. Because they, they knew that we were going to come back and really put right. up a big fight next time. I think yeah. that's what must have happened. Yeah. yeah. Because before that, they asked me and they said, Ray, so when he had his boot halfway up your ass, what was going on? And I was like, you don't understand. I was playing a deep game. No pun intended. I was playing a deep game at that moment. And that's what the Americans in the South Korea. 5D chess, baby. <laughs> Five-dimensional chess. That's what I was playing. <laughs> Hello? Was that a horn? Did someone beep? Anyway, so the point is the Americans are getting their ass kicked. They're losing men, probably thousands of men. This looks like the beginning of the end. And then suddenly the Chinese fade away, not unlike a disease after you get a shot. That was a bad. I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. Uh, but the point is, it's suddenly gone, and so the Americans go from panic to bewilderment. To celebrations. To celebrate. We won. Fucking awesome. Now, military yeah. sources in China today say what happened was there were problems with supply and coordination. Right. And they figured, okay, we've warned the Americans that right. uh, we're willing and ready to you know, step up and intervene. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now we'll, we'll just pull back and see if they got the message while we coordinate some of the stuff that we need to do in the background. The Chinese today also claimed that their purpose in withdrawing was to encourage the enemy's arrogance. Um, now, which one of those you want to believe? They had supply problems or they just decided they'd send a message out there, they'd see what would happen or they would encourage their arrogance, any combination of those. But MacArthur, of course, translated the whole thing. It was that the Chinese had shot their bolt and uh, given up, been frightened off, and so he continued his drive towards the Yalu, and the Chinese, in their turn, were prepared to meet it. And we'll be back next time. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Hey.